0: Love what you hear? Be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, and even our D and D adventure. If you're an athlete, you know, the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same Jersey as you to be your best. Every time you step on the field, that's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, Welcome back to Finish the
1: Fight, a gaming podcast, where we produce and develop the highest quality gaming research in
0: podcast form. I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I am your host, Derek Baker. And today, we're talking about, I mean, we talk about, let me me, me preface, we talk about a lot of games that are game of the year, highest rated game, best game of all time. What we're talking about today is also a game that has shifted the landscape. Uh, especially for Zoomer gamers, uh, anyone who's played a Battle Royale, anyone who's played anything under Epic at this point. Um, we're going to be talking about Fortnite. And Fortnite has truly, no matter what your opinion of, is of it, it has shifted the gaming landscape.
1: Absolutely. This game has taken over. And, you know, we've played Battle Royale games, right? hmm But it's like, have we had Goku fight Darth Vader? Have we had, oh, I, I can't even really think of any great examples because there are so many people and characters in this
0: game. Listen, you can have Spider-Gwen fighting with Geralt, fighting with Ariana Grande, fighting with a banana, fighting with Will Smith. Where else are you going to have this besides Super Smash Brothers? Right. It's like
1: Super Smash Brothers meets Battle Royale, but it also has zero limitations. You know, it's not yes. like we want fighting characters plus the Nintendo characters. It's like we want everything. Real people, fake people, anime people, video game characters, movie characters. And it's like there are zero limitations in this game on that. There's so many different things that you can do as a result. You know, if you want to be Goku with a lightsaber you can be that, you know, Mm -hmm. you can do whatever weird stuff, your brain
0: conjures up. Exactly. So we've got a pretty big episode for you today, so let's just honestly jump right into it. So Fortnite is an online video game developed by Epic Games and released in 2017. It is available in three distinct game mode versions that otherwise share the same general gameplay and game engine. We have Fortnite Battle Royale, a free-to-play battle royale game in which up to 100 players fight to be the last player standing. We have Fortnite Save the World, a cooperative hybrid tower defense shooter and survival game in which up to four players fight off zombie-like creatures and defend objects with traps and fortifications they can build. And Fortnite Creative, in which players are given complete freedom to create worlds and battle arenas. Save the World and Battle Royale were released in 2017 as early access titles, while Creative was released on December 6th, 2018. While the Save the World and Creative versions have been successful for Epic Games, Fortnite Battle Royale, as pretty much I think all of us know the game, in particular, became an overwhelming success and a cultural phenomenon, drawing more than 125 million players in less than a year earning hundreds of millions of dollars per month. Fortnite as a whole generated $9 billion in gross revenue up until December 2019. Save the World is available only for Windows, Mac OS, PS4, and Xbox One, while Battle Royale and Creative were released for all of those platforms, and also for the Nintendo Switch, iOS, and Android devices. The game also launched with the release of the next-gen PS5 and Xbox Series X and S consoles. So as always, let's dive a
1: little bit into the history of the studio behind Fortnite. Potomac Computer Systems was founded by Tim Sweeney in 1991. At the time, Sweeney was studying mechanical engineering and living in a dorm at the University of Maryland. He frequently visited his parents who lived in nearby Potomac, Maryland, where his personal computer, used for both work and leisure, was situated. Out of this location, Sweeney started Potomac Computer Systems as a computer consulting business, but later figured that it would be too much work he would have to put in to keeping the business stable, and he scrapped the idea. After finishing his game ZZT, Sweeney opted to reuse the Potomac Computer Systems name to release the game to the public in January 1991. It was only with the unexpected success of ZZT, caused in most part by the easy modifiability of the game using Sweeney's custom ZZT op programming language that made Sweeney consider turning Potomac computer systems into a video game company. ZZT was sold through bulletin board systems while all orders were fulfilled by Sweeney's father, Paul Sweeney. The game sold several thousand copies as of May 2009, and Paul Sweeney still lived at the former Potomac Computer Systems address at the time, fulfilling all orders that eventually came by mail. The final copy of ZZT was shipped by Paul Sweeney in November of 2013. Wow, so still kind of being churned out of that parent's house? (laughs) Can you imagine maybe, like, His dad just didn't realize, like, hey, we're shutting this down. We're moving on to other things. His dad's like, oh, I got another order. Just (laughs) got to keep on doing it. It's like, dad, I haven't made that game in years. Or his dad
0: was so behind, it took him this long to fulfill those orders from 92. (laughs) He's just like, I'm just getting on it, son. Don't worry, that final copy (laughs) just went out. Dad, this is 21 (laughs) years old at this point. I know, and I still got him out there, son.
1: You're welcome. There's like a guy out there with a Duke Nukem forever
0: receipt that's comparing (laughs) it to this man. He's like, well, I guess we have to. So in early 1992, Sweeney found himself and his newfound video game company in a business where larger studios, such as Apogee Software and id Software, were dominant, and he had to find a more serious name for his. As such, Sweeney came up with Epic Mega Games a name which incorporated Epic and Mega to make it sound like it represented a fairly large company, such as Apogee Software, although he was its only employee. Sweeney soon underwent searching for a business partner, and eventually caught up with Mark Ryan, who previously quit his job at id Software and moved to Toronto, Ontario. Ryan worked remotely from Toronto, and primarily handled sales, marketing, and publishing deals business development that Sweeney found to have significantly contributed to the company's growth. Sometime this season, the company soon had 20 employees, consisting of programmers, artists, designers, and composers. Among them was a 17-year-old, Cliff Blazinski, who joined the company after submitting his game Dare to Dream to Sweeney. The following year, they had over 30 employees. In 1996, Epic Mega Games produced a shareware isometric shooter called Firefight, developed by Polish studio Chaos Works. It was published by EA. And by 1997, Epic Mega Games had 50 people working from them worldwide. In 1998, Epic Mega Games released Unreal, a 3D first-person shooter co-developed with Digital Extremes, which expanded into a series of Unreal games. The company also began to license the core technology, the Unreal Engine, to other game developers, And that is such a big, big point to remember. You know, we know Epic for Gears of War, for Fortnite, but the Unreal Engine is really where they stamped their mark on the gaming sphere. Absolutely. You could say where it's, things got Epic.
1: That they did. (laughs) Oh, it's so bad. (laughs) (laughs) In February 1999, Epic Mega Games announced that they had moved their headquarters to a new location in Cary, North Carolina. It would henceforth be known as simply Epic Games. Ryan explained that Unreal was first created by developers who were scattered across the world. Eventually, the team came together to finish the game, and that's when the real magic started. The move to North Carolina centralizes Epic, bringing all the company's talented developers under one roof. And furthermore, Sweeney stated that the mega part of the name was dropped because they no longer wanted to pretend to be a big company, as was the original intention of the name when it was a one-man team. Plus, Dad. Don't forget Dad. Don't forget Dad. Don't forget him. The follow-up game, Unreal Tournament, shipped to Critical Acclaim the same year, at which point the studio had 13 employees. Around 2006, the personal computer video game market was struggling with copyright infringement in the form of software piracy, and it became difficult to make single-player games, elements which had been part of Epic's business model up to that point. The company decided to shift focus into developing on console systems, a move which Sweeney called the start of the third major iteration of the company, Epic 3.0. In 2006, Epic released the Xbox 360 shooter Gears of War, which became a commercial success for the company, grossing about $100 million off a $12 million budget. A year later, the company released Unreal Tournament 3 for PC
0: and acquired a majority share in People Can Fly. Coupled with their desire to move away from being beholden to a publisher, Epic Games observed that the video game industry was shifting to a -a games-as-a-service model. Sweeney stated, quote, there was an increasing realization that the old model wasn't working anymore, and that the new model was looking increasingly like the way to go. In an attempt to gain more games as a service models, or GAAS, experience, they made an agreement with Chinese Tencent, who had several games under their banner, including Riot's League of Legends, operating successfully as a games as a service. In exchange for Tencent's help, Tencent acquired 48.4% of Epic, then issued shared capital, equating to 40% of total Epic. So basically that's saying like with stock and employee options, they didn't acquire the full company, but a lot of the majority shares. And it increased those stock options to about 330 million in June 2012. Tencent Holdings has the right to nominate directors to the board of Epic Games and thus counts as an associate of the group. However, Sweeney stated that Tencent otherwise has very little control on the creative output of Epic Games. And Sweeney considered the partial acquisition by Tencent as the start of Epic 4.0, the fourth major iteration of the company, allowing the company to be more agile in the video game marketplace. Epic continued on its goal to deliver games as a service following these departures. Fortnite was to serve as their test bed for living games but with shifts in staff, as well as shifting its engine from Unreal 3 to 4 at the time, its release suffered some setbacks. The investment
1: in Fusion from Tencent allowed Epic Games to relicense the Unreal Engine 4 engine in March 2015 to be free for all users to develop with,
0: with Epic taking 5% royalties on games developed with the engine. Which is really when Unreal started to take over the marketplace, because it Compared to Adobe. Adobe's pretty expensive. You know, you might get a student rate when you're in school. So unless you're really going into a field that needs it, you might try some freeware programs, some alternates. And so what Epic has done here is like, hey, you can use our Unreal Engines for free. It's just if you come out with a product with it, we just get a five percent cut, which is which is so smart to take because that way if you're developing a game, you're not taking that leap to spend tens of thousands of dollars to license an engine you're just taking a they're just taking a small cut for each sale right
1: it's definitely helpful for people that are struggling to get off the ground you know thinking about that stuff later there's very little risk for either person there because if the Mm -hmm. game doesn't take off they don't really lose a lot the people that you know made the game and then you know if it does take off then epic gets a nice cut of that exactly In June 2015, Epic agreed to allow Epic Games Poland's departure from the company and sold its shares in the studio. The studio reverted to their former name, People Can Fly, and by July 2017, Fortnite was finally in a state for public play. Epic launched the title through a paid early access, then, with a full free-to-play release expected in 2018. Following on the popularity of PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, a Battle Royale game released earlier in 2017, Epic developed a variant of Fortnite called Fortnite Battle Royale, which was released in September of 2017 as a free-to-play title across computer, console, and mobile platforms. Fortnite Battle Royale quickly gained an audience amassing over 125 million players by May 2018, with estimates of having earned over $1 billion by July 2018 through microtransactions, including its Battle Pass system. Epic Games, which had been valued at around $825 million at the time of Tencent's acquisition, was estimated to be worth $4.5 billion in July 2018 due to Fortnite Battle Royale and expected to surpass $8.5 billion by the end of 2018 with projected growth of the game. Player count continued to expand when Epic broke new ground by convincing Sony to change its stance on cross-platform play allowing players on any device to compete with each other in Fortnite Battle Royale. Fortnite has drawn nearly 250 million players as of
0: March 2019. Two really really huge points in there. One, you're taking your, you know, net worth of roughly 825 million and then multiplying that by 5, you know, within a year, year and a half or so, and then by the end of that year, You're multiplying that by another, basically doubling that by the end of that same year. So like by the original, it's almost 10 times what it had. And that is insane that one game can have such a market cap growth for that. As well, Epic, you know, going and convincing Sony to break this cross-platform idea, which Sony was very opposed to it. They didn't want to share with other consoles for, you know, Epic and Fortnite to come in and change that change the landscaping of gaming forever with that absolutely and it definitely can't be
1: understated because there were such intense console wars for the generations prior they were competing so heavily with each other playstation 4 really wanted to take over again from the (laughs) xbox 360 and you know nintendo's just kind of always there playing little brother Mm -hmm. and it's like getting them to see that Ultimately, it can be beneficial to have cross-platform play, to get people playing games just on their preferred console, I think is a huge, huge step. And now, of course, we've seen some things now come out of Microsoft's end of that, you know, maybe feeling a little bit of regret on, on what they've done to mm-hmm. sort of lose the console wars. But having all that cross-platform play gives, I think, these companies a, a good fallback plan. Because beyond Fortnite, you know, there's plenty of games now that have the cross-platform built in, and, and yep. that's really,
0: really important for the future of gaming. It absolutely was, because platforming, or excuse me, cross-platforming at the time may have been, you know, Microsoft with their Xbox to PC, or maybe Xbox to even Switch at the time. But Sony just kind of wanted to stay out of that to keep their market share by themselves. So that made that really, really big shift for them. Now, Fortnite was revealed at the 2011 Spike Video Game Awards, with Epic's former design director, Cliff Blazinski, introducing a trailer for the game. Donald Mustard, creative lead at Epic, said in 2017 that this announcement was, quote, three weeks after we came up with the idea, before we even made the game. The title, which started out as an internal game jam project following the completion of Gears of War 3, represents a departure from the company's previous work. As Blazinski explained during the Spike event, Epic wanted to, quote, switch things up a little bit and do something different and fun with Fortnite, describing it as a world where you explore, you scavenge, you build, and ultimately, you survive. In an interview with Engadget, he also echoed these statements, claiming that the game would be different from the Gears of War series, with, quote, there's no dude bros in it. Not that there's anything wrong with that, right? But creatively for the team, gears has been amazing for us but it's fun to kind of stretch our wings and do something that's a little different than the usual at the time of its creation producer roger column said that the game grew out of taking two popular genres building games like minecraft and terraria and shooting games like gears of war to make something novel comparing it to making peanut butter cups out of peanut butter and chocolate when they showed this approach to other developers they found that the concept was an idea that others had had, but never worked towards any final product. And from that, they knew they had something with potential to build upon. As the game was at its very preliminary stages at the VGA reveal, the goal of this reveal was to seek public interest in the title and potential publishing partners to decide on the game's release platforms and time frame. During the July 2012 San Diego Comic Con, Epic announced that Fortnite would be an exclusive PC title and the first one to be developed by Epic using their new Unreal 4 game engine with a planned release in 2013. The game's development was originally started in the Unreal 3 engine, but as they progressed, they had seen the opportunity to work in several of the new feature sets and scripting language offered by Unreal 4 for Fortnite, while still running on most PCs at the time. They further opted for PC exclusivity to avoid the difficulty of having to go through console certification, and as they plan to be constantly monitoring and tweaking the game, acting as a dungeon master of sorts, the PC approach would allow them to do this without restrictions normally set by console manufacturers. So, to give you an insight on that, whenever you want to update your game on a console, you actually have to pay for those updates and get certifications and get them approved to have those updates happen whereas with the PC and having such as an open language you can just kind of push those to your own game and just get them into it and blazinski later clarified that they would not rule out releases on other platforms as they developed the title so we're starting to see this idea of like we're going to start on the PC and do that but if the consoles are friendly with us and we can build up enough like hype and hoopla it's possible
1: Hoopla! (laughs) Fortnite's development was spread among several of Epic's satellite studios and was also co-developed by the Polish studio People Can Fly, which had worked with Epic previously on earlier games and had been fully acquired by Epic sometime in 2012. People Can Fly were briefly renamed Epic Games Poland in 2013 as to align with Epic's other studios, and by March 2014, there were about 90 developers working on the game. And, of course, as we had mentioned, People Could Fly later returned to being an independent studio in their own name in 2015. But they did continue to help Epic with the Fortnite development, even after that happened. So, of course, there was that big acquisition with Tencent, and so there's a little bit of a transition there. And in Fortnite's early development, they hit a number of roadblocks. First, Epic began using Fortnite as the testing ground for the new Unreal Engine 4, which slowed some development. A further factor was recognizing that to maintain interest in the game, it needed to have deep systems for player progression and itemization, similar to computer RPGs. They reached out and brought in system designers from popular, massively multiplayer online games, including Darren Sugg, to gain input on how to create these types of systems. The culminating issue in the slowdown was the investment from Tencent and Epic Games in 2012, which transitioned a number of high-level executives, including Blazinski, out of the company. Epic had recognized they needed to prepare for offering games that followed the games as a service model and Tencent had excelled at this in China and agreed to help Epic in exchange for significant ownership in Epic, and Epic chose to use Fortnite as the spearhead for Epic's games-as-a-service model, which created additional road bumps, according to Mustard. Further, with the transition of those executives, new leadership was needed to take over for Fortnite's development team. Sugg, for example, had been discussing the various game systems in depth with Blazinski, who otherwise was leading the design and with blazensky's departure sug had to take over as lead designer to try to continue the vision that blazensky's team had rod Ferguson who had left epic after ten cents investment in 2012 stated that if he had stayed on with epic he
0: would likely have canceled fortnite by this point that's just amazing to see is like you know they they get these money in ten cent takes over but Some of these people that stayed on, like this was not the game for them. I I think a lot of them saw the failure in it. A lot of them thought there was just too much involvement with Tencent or too much involvement money wise into building this thing out that they just did not think was going to work.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you could kind of, it's not totally uncommon,
0: right? The executives, the leadership to be moved
1: out when a company is acquired because there's a whole different set of principles and values that come. Along with that, a totally different perspective and having those things conflict from the top down can be extremely problematic. And you're exactly right when they're looking at Fortnite as basically just a testing tool, Mm -hmm. and Tencent is looking at it entirely differently. You do have to move those people out, unfortunately. And yeah, I mean, that means some other people had to pick up some slack because they were the ones that had at least the other 50% of the knowledge. But ultimately, we see what Fortnite became, so we know that that was the right decision with the benefit of 2020 hindsight. Absolutely. So at the same time, Epic made several decisions on gameplay that established the basis of Fortnite. Initially, when players placed walls and other fortifications, they would have had players to complete a mini game to complete the construction. But they found that the game was more successful when these fortifications built themselves, allowing players to create forts quickly and kept this approach. They were also able to bring in various game modes that had been envisioned in Gears of War 3, but which then were limited by the game's engine. The dynamic nature of the game world due to players' fortifications and deconstruction required them to come up with an artificial intelligence pathfinding solution for the enemies. Epic considered they were trying to build a toolkit for players to interact with as to create emergent gameplay solutions based on the situation of the missions from which they can continue to expand upon with new items throughout the life of the game.
0: Again, for everyone listening, this is when we're talking about the OG Fortnite game, but like kind of the zombie defense. So you still have all the walls and the fortification ideas that you have in the Battle Royale, but it almost makes no sense when you're like, because you're thinking about the Battle Royale, like, what if we have a mini game? to install these walls could you imagine like you're in a firefight having to be like boop 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 like connecting things like moving stuff along you're getting shot at so i get the idea of trying to do it with the zombie crawl of it and getting player progression through those things i'm glad they shifted that to let the walls just build themselves and and, and run through that but this is game development this is how you run through ideas and you kind of spitball it like what works what doesn't and and we're starting to build that game that we see today
1: Yeah, you absolutely don't want every single aspect of every game to have some type of immersive thing happening. Sometimes you just want to be able to hit a button and have the walls go up. I don't want to have to get locked into putting a bunch of nails on boards and things like that.
0: Exactly. By November 2013, Epic confirmed that Fortnite would not release that year, nor offered a target release date, though affirmed the game was still in development by several of its studios. Epic Games Vice President of Publishing, Mike Fisher, said in 2015 that Epic recognized that they quote, announced this game a little too soon, and that its lengthy development period was due to very good reasons. Fortnite was a feature in the May 2014 issue of Game Informer, revealing that the title would be released as a free-to-play game. By 2014, Fortnite was at a pretty functional prototype, with most of the Unreal 4 engine elements smoothed out, according to Mustard. Epic anticipated it would still take about three more years to complete, not only in polishing and balancing the game, but setting it in place, the necessary backend elements for the games-as-a-service model. To help support development and get player feedback, Epic used a series of closed alpha test periods. The game's first closed alpha, called Online Test 1, ran from December 2nd to the 19th of 2014, while Online Test 2 ran from March 24th to April 14th, 2015. Epic said the first alpha was designed to help it, quote, make sure all our basic systems are working and establish a baseline for how people play in order to make Fortnite better. After being demoed at WWDC 2015 on Mac, Fortnite entered closed beta testing in the fall of 2015. Approximately 50,000 players participated in these periods. Fortnite was being developed alongside Paragon, which Epic announced in November 2015. As Paragon seemed to take Epic's focus, leaving little news about Fortnite, CEO Tim Sweeney said in March 2016 that they were still committed to Fortnite once Paragon was launched and established, given that much of the work on Fortnite would take time to get the right balance for gameplay. And Swinging had this to say, we figure we should start with one major successful launch and do one at a time. Fortnite will be next. And I wonder
1: if they could get away with something like that now, because you see what kind of microtransactions this game has done. And it's like, do publishers really want to wait around for those things? Like we see a lot of things now that get maybe released a little ahead of their time and
0: patched up later because there is a lot of money on the table. Exactly. And if you look at Paragon, which did come out, it is much more of a grittier, real-looking kind of big MMO battle arena game, uh similar to what they were doing in a lot of their Unreals. Mm-hmm. But It launched Early Access in March 2016 and would eventually be shut down in April of 2018. So not as successful as uh, a little bit of, you know, Fortnite is.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, lessons learned and all that. Mm -hmm. You never know. By June 2017, Epic Games announced that Fortnite was now set up for a 2018 release across Windows, macOS, and the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One consoles. Leading up to this free-to-play release, the game was offered as a paid early access period starting on July 25th, 2017 for all platforms, and players who pre-ordered Founders packs were granted access to the game on July 21st, so four days earlier. The lengthy period since the game's alpha phases was ascribed to developing Fortnite as a -a games-as-a-service model, according to creative lead Donald Mustard. While the game had been in a playable state for the two years before this, Epic wanted to be able to develop ongoing content for players to keep them interested in the title, such as planning timed events with unique rewards, following the approach used by games like League of Legends and Warframe. Since the game had already been announced earlier in 2014 through Game Informer, Epic opted not to use their E3 timer space in June 2017 to re-announce the game, fearing that coverage of it would be lost in the deluge of other gaming news coming out of the event. Instead, the Epic marketing team worked with Twitch and other game streamers to provide them early copies of the game to play and promote on their channels in the weeks leading up to their target release date of July 25th. However, a few weeks before this date, Epic recognized that the game was still not ready for release. It was playable, but not content complete. Rather than prolonging it further, Epic decided to release the game into paid early access, which would also allow them to get active feedback on the game as they progressed in development. At the time of the start of the early access, Gearbox software helped distribute the game on physical media. With the popularity of Fortnite Battle Royale, which was first released in Early Access around September 2017 and gained considerable attention by early 2018, Epic split off a separate development team to focus on improvements for this mode. Epic said that their attention to Fortnite was causing some of their other games to see lower player populations, leading them to reduce development efforts on those games, particularly Paragon. By the end of January 2018, Epic announced it was shutting down Paragon by April of that year, providing refunds to all players. Players on a Fortnite-dedicated Reddit forum had expressed concerns that a similar fate could befall the Save the World mode of Fortnite, as externally, the Save the World mode has not received the same attention in providing updates and improvements compared to the Battle Royale mode since that mode's release. Epic's Ed Zobris said that of... March 2018 that the retention rates for Save the World had been high, and had grown since the release of Fortnite Battle Royale, and the company had since improved communications with the player base, such as providing development roadmaps and known bug lists. In October 2018, Epic announced that the game's free-to-play release would not happen until at least 2019, which was done in order to make sure that it would be ready to accommodate large groups of new players. A significant patch for the game to be released in November 2018 aims to rework much of the game's metagame interfaces, providing some automation and helpful advice through newly introduced characters for hero outfitting, survivor squads, and other activities. A change in its loot box system was made in January 2019, which allowed players to know what items they would get from the loot llamas purchased via the in-game store, similar to an x-ray. Contents of such loot llamas would be
0: randomized on a daily basis. And now, on June 29th, 2020, Epic announced that they had decided to end Save the World's early access period and make it a full release. But at the same time, abandoning the original free to play plans and keeping the game a premium title. With this change, they were no longer able to continue to support common shared items between the Save the World and Battle Royale modes of Fortnite. With this, Epic planned to include ventures, season-long events to give players new challenges in the Save the World mode alongside recurring annual events. Long-term players of the Save the World mode criticized Epic for this change. They had long seen the mode receive less care than Fortnite Battle Royale, with many features that had been planned now dropped, and that the game's campaign was to have had taken place over four major acts was effectively only 75% complete and appeared to be no longer a priority. A campaign hashtag, hashtag save save the world, grew among both these players as well as sympathetic Fortnite Battle Royale players to try to convince Epic to put more development resources into this mode. Unfortunately, you have one side earning billions, one side earning... Much, 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 much less than that. And so that's why they kept it that paid option to be like, hey, they paid up front. We got them in there. We don't have to keep making that ecosystem the same way we do for the battle royale aspect of it.
1: Yeah, and it's definitely something that is becoming more and more prevalent in gaming. I mean, all those things that they were saying, like pushing the game back, using, you know, the early players sort of as like a beta tester, you know, considering... Uh, releasing unfinished games, I mean, these are very, very common elements of the current video gaming world. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's pretty divisive because there are a lot of people that love, obviously they love Fortnite. I mean, the amount of players speaks for itself, but there is definitely something to be said for those developers that are releasing completed games. And... You know, yeah, looking at profits and looking at things like that, but also taking into consideration that, hey, yeah, we could fix this, but, you know, why don't we make sure that this is working now and exactly. then make
0: it even better as time goes on? It's so much of that. And, you know, again, it's, it's hard as a company, even someone who's developing the game, it's like, do I take the one that has, like, increased our shares tenfold and put it towards, like, this, like, just basically just money machines, an ATM that's broken, and it's just spitting out cash at us? Or do we go to the gumball machine, put a quarter in, and hopefully we return that quarter back to us You know, over so much time and earned profits? So I understand it to a point, and it is frustrating, but gaming has become so corporate, and especially having Tencent as a major backer, it also depends on what they're wanting. They may not be there creatively, but they're sure as heck there financially. Right. When that agreement
1: was made when that takeover was arranged i mean you know what you're signing up for it's yeah. it's no longer going to be about you know we want to make the games that we want to make it's it's very profit driven it's going to mm-hmm. be that style of game and and that's what they wanted to do and it it does make a lot of money
0: absolutely it's, it's the same thing if you look at grand theft auto where we're seeing no new main story stuff ever but we see a bunch of new content for the gta online because that is the profit driven. You know, at the time, you're spending 60 bucks, I guess 50 bucks when we first bought it, but 50, 60 bucks on this game, maybe once or twice, depending on where you're buying it, that's it. Whereas they're profiting from the shark cards and the other online content, just continually and earning billions and billions and billions versus just the hundred million they probably made or, you know, several hundred million on just the sale of the game alone.
1: Right. And it's easy to see because it's do I pop in a new design for a car, you know, or a jet that these players can buy? Or do I create an entire another little mini story, mini campaign with new actors, new mocap, new all this other stuff that's a one time purchase that they get to experience? I mean, the numbers are obviously speaking to them in the background and we know what decision ultimately favors the money. And exactly. uh, this is definitely not gonna go away.
0: No, and, and that's why with GTA Online, we saw all of those story missions. They're like, oh, there's story missions coming out for your online character. All right. Oh, these new like mainline characters get introduced for your online character. So nothing that stayed on that offline world. You had to have that GTA online to continue the other characters of like Los Santos and everything that was going on with it.
1: Yep, and Red Dead Redemption 2 was the same thing. Oh, you want to see a little bit of that in between the Red Dead 2, Red Dead 1 storyline? Well, you're going to have to hop online and, and go and find those characters in that world. Exactly.
0: But back to where we are, I wanted to give you guys, I think most of us have either played Fortnite or have an idea of the play of it, but I wanted to break down the gameplay and the different modes that it offers, which really do set it apart from the rest of those battle royales. Now, the main gameplay for Fortnite Battle Royale follows the standard format for the the BR genre. The game normally is played either with each player on their own or in a squad of two to four players, with up to 100 players participating each round. The round starts with players, weaponless, skydiving from the floating buses, the battle bus, please thank your driver, then deploying a glider onto a region of land. The island's fixed layout includes several landmarks and locations, named in alliterative fashion such as Lazy Lake, Pleasant Park, and Retail Row, that are mostly ghost towns during matches while a random distribution of weapons, shields, and other combat support features can be found by searching chests, scattered in buildings, and other sites.
1: Fortnite Battle Royale's primary distinction from other Battle Royale games is the building system, which originated from the original Fortnite survival game. Nearly all objects in the environment can be destroyed and harvested from materials like wood, stone, and metal, which can then be used to build fortifications of limited durability, such as walls, ramps, floors, and roofs. These can then be used to help traverse the map, protect the player from gunfire, or slow down progression of other players. Weaker pieces can be destroyed in a few hits, but can be built quickly, while stronger pieces can withstand more damage, but take longer to build. A special zero build game mode was introduced in March of 2022, which eliminated all building aspects in the Battle Royale mode and became a permanent secondary mode in the game by April of 2022. Since release, Epic Games has added more features such as new weapons and items in makeshift vehicles, such as shopping carts and golf carts. Epic is also able to deploy hotfixes to the game to adjust aspects like weapon attributes and distribution pushing these out in minutes if necessary should they or players discover critical issues or glitches, as well as removing older or not well-received items from the game in a process called vaulting. With the release of the standalone Fortnite Creative Gameplay mode in December 2018, an area of the Fortnite Battle Royale map called The Block featured a rotating selection of user-made creations developed in Creative Mode and approved by Epic. A Battle Lab mode was added in December 2019 for players to create their own custom Battle Royale games. In April 2020, a new Party Royale mode was added, taking place on a small map where combat and construction was disabled, though non-lethal gameplay items can be acquired, like paint guns and vehicles. This map was aimed to be used as a social space, as well as to host in-game events, like concerts.
0: Yes, which we're going to be talking about soon of a lot of these big artists that brought in this idea and brought in the world of like using Fortnite as a social space, not just to like take out a Joker rocket launcher hammer to smash your opponent, but to like be silly and have fun, like communicate and be part of these concerts. So I want to talk about a few limited time and competitive modes. Epic has the ability to include these LTMs within the game, which provides Epic with experimental capabilities and gain feedback from players to improve upon. One of its earliest additions was a 50v50 mode, placing players randomly on one of two teams and dropping them on opposite sides of the map, giving the two teams time to gather resources, create fortifications, and hunt the other team before the storm moves in. A sandbox playground LTM was introduced in June 2018 which allows up to four players to explore and build anything anywhere on the battle map, while being able to fight each other and respawn upon defeat until the storm covered the map after an hour and eliminated them all. Epic later made this a permanent mode in the game, as Derek had said. Epic has stated that they intend to add a ranked competitive play in the future, which they end up doing, and a preliminary competitive mode, Solo Showdown, ran for a limited time starting in May 2018, Ranking players by their final placement in matches and rewarding the top placing competitors with V Bucks. Epic's newest addition to the game, starting out in Chapter Three, Season Two, was the temporary mode that Derek had talked about called No Building. This change removed all building mechanics in the game, and basically, what I really loved of it because I'm not fast enough with the Zoomers to like build me a tower that's 18 feet tall. I say? Should, excuse me, 18 stories tall. And like fire down upon it. Yeah, so, for an me, 18 this was... foot tall tower shouldn't be that challenging. <laughs> that, was, that was my tower I built in the time that they built an 18 story <laughs> tower. <laughs> <laughs> the other mechanic they added with this was overshield, giving players 50 shield to start off with that would recharge throughout the game. Epic later turned this change into its own game mode that would bring back building. Because this, this whole time they had it disabled, it was just you could play no build. Now you have the two options back, again, the better option, and then the zoomer option. And the biggest thing that changes Fortnite up, brings players back, are its seasonal changes. Fortnite Battle Royale has created a larger, loose narrative that is exhibited through changes in the game map, which generally correlated to the start and end of the in-game season. For example, in the lead-up to the fourth season of the first chapter, which started in May 2018, players saw a number of shooting stars cross the skies followed by a giant comet that neared the ground. Upon the start of that season, the comet had hit one of the locations on the map, leaving a giant crater, among other changes. This tied into several new cosmetic skins related to superheroes and supervillains that were available that month. Epic has the ability to create custom events that occur across all game servers simultaneously as well. The first example of such was a countdown, leading to a giant rocket's launch in June 2018, which in the aftermath, left cracks in the skies that have grown since the event. The game initially launched without any seasonable
1: schedule, but starting with the release of Chapter 1 Season 2 in December 2017, Epic has provided new content, which includes new cosmetics, new gameplay elements, and changes to the game's map on a roughly 10-week basis. This also introduced the use of Battle Pass for players to obtain some of this new content by completing challenges and gaining experience. Another very, very common element in games now.
0: Yeah, with the games as a service is like having seasons now, having these battle passes that go along with it, shifting up the maps. We see that in Apex Legends. We see that in Fortnite. We see that even in a lot of the different modes that have come out for like Day Z that change up the idea of gameplay and even leaking itself to Call of Duty and the shifts that they make in their battle royale. So the
1: thing with Fortnite is... There are so many tie-ins to so many different media properties, mm-hmm. real people, real events. And let's talk just a little bit about some of those. There's, there's a ton, but they are really interesting because I, I feel like this is a very unique aspect of Fortnite that, that adds a lot of fun to the game. And Shortly after the launch of the film Avengers Infinity War, Epic ran a Marvel-sponsored event that featured the Infinity Gauntlet that randomly spawned on the map. Any player that equipped it became Thanos, with added abilities. A second Avengers-based mode was released upon release of Avengers Endgame, where players are randomly split between Avenger and Chitauri armies, seeking out the Infinity Stones or the Infinity Gauntlet. Since then, other promotional content from other commercial properties, including cosmetic items and map features, has been available for limited periods in Fortnite, typically around the time of premieres or first broadcasts for these works. These commercial properties have included Ralph Breaks the Internet, John Wick, Stranger Things, Star Wars, Birds of Prey, The Matrix,
0: Cobra Kai, and several others. So exactly, as you said, like using these properties was such a unique spin. I mean, you had Disney doing this with their own. I, I you know, I'm even thinking back to like uh, Kingdom Hearts, like kind of splitting that and like kind of like making this huge universe. But it was always just tied into their own IPs. You know, you kind of didn't want to spend a bunch of money outside of that, like raking all this in. But Epic and Fortnite selling this as a partnership and an advertising opportunity just changed that landscape, and we we see. I mean, hundreds at this point of different skins and different uh, aspects of maps that really tied these in.
1: And having no limitations or preconceptions about that is what I think makes it the most interesting. I don't think it's entirely unique to have themed events and games. Sure. But when you're open to as many different things as Fortnite is... And, and really, like, yeah, there's been a ton of Disney stuff, but there's also been a ton of non-Disney stuff, although mm-hmm. it is hard to know what is and what isn't at this point, because they have so many things. Absolutely. But, but yeah, I mean, just a, a very, very cool concept. So, on top of that, there have been some non-gameplay-related promotional events, and that's included EDM artist Marshmallow, who held a virtual concert in the Pleasant Park location on February 2nd, 2019, across all game servers, and it estimated to have had over 10 million players watching it live. On December 14th, a special preview of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker previewed at the Risky Reels location, which even featured the return of Emperor Palpatine in a voice segment that was referred to in the film's opening crawl. Travis Scott performed a virtual astronomical tour in support of his 2018 album Astroworld, Within Fortnite, on multiple live concerts between April 23rd and 25th of 2020, including the premiere of a new song, The Scots, featuring Kid Cudi. The first performance on April 23rd was estimated to have drawn over 12.3 million players to watch, while a total of 27.7 million unique viewers cumulatively watched the concerts. Along with these concerts, the event included new cosmetics based on Scott for in game purchase. Scott, also Fortnite-inspired Cactus Jack products, such as action figures and lunchboxes, were available for the event.
0: Diplo performed a live Major Laser concert along with Jordan Fisher in the new Party Royale game mode on May 1, 2020. While a multi-part concert by Dylan Francis, Steve Aoki, and Deadmau5 was held on May 8, to celebrate the full release of the Party Royale game mode. And I should go back, uh, Deadmau5, for those who are true fans of him. Mm. <laughs> a trailer that, for Christopher Deadmau5, Nolan's... I love that guy. All five the, of them. All five of them. We also had a trailer for Christopher Nolan's Tenant, which was first shown in the Party Royale game mode before releasing to other digital services on May 21st, 2020, which is wild that they had the exclusivity to show the trailer there first before dropping elsewhere. And in June 2020, Fortnite announced that it would live stream three Nolan films, Inception, Batman Begins, and The Prestige, through its movie night event through Party Royale. Epic Games partnered with Nolan and the Warner Brothers to secure distribution rights in different languages and countries. And BTS premiered their music video for Dynamite in the Party Royale game mode on September 22nd, 2020.
1: Jay Balvin performed a live concert in the Party Royale Game Mode on October 31st, 2020, premiering a new song titled La La's. Anyone who attended the concert could get a special Jay Balvin style for the Party Trooper outfit. The concert was recorded using extended reality technology, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Epic launched a short animated film festival within the Party Royale mode in February of 2021 called Short Night, and Ariana Grande performed virtually as the headline act of the Rift Tour in August of 2021. Epic started a regular Fortnite Spotlight in game concert event series in September 2020 using the Party Royale game mode, with such concerts from various musicians planned on a weekly basis and free for any player of Fortnite to watch. The musician will perform their set in a special studio set up by Epic that will be digitized in game, And according to Nate Nanzer, Epic Games head of Global Partnerships, quote, "We're creating this platform to work with artists, big artists and up-and-coming artists.":
0: And this is really huge, and ties into a lot of what other aspects Fortnite has. You know, we see later down the road, Epic getting a lot more vehicles, some stuff that's based on some movies. Um, or like alien spaceships or just cars themselves. And they have streaming radio stations. This ties in so many huge artists from fallout boy to Lil Nas X to post Malone, to even some country artists that are tied into this, which is such an expensive thing to take on, but has changed so much of the reality of like wanting to add more of that, like music, pop culture, different aspects into the game, which, really shifted that gaming landscape well when
1: paying these people for the single performance or the multiple performances right mm-hmm. it, it is expensive but when obviously they're comparing it to the amount of money that they get from maintaining that player base and constantly having you know new things keep players interested yep. you know long term it, it works out for them and there's not a lot really to, I think, deter them from wanting to do that forever, because it's not any different really than throwing like a company event where you have like a a musical guest, famous musical artist, you know, perform the event or whatever. And you get to do that basically on a weekly basis. And on top of that, use it to benefit your product. I mean, that's just
0: really a fantastic idea. It's so smart. It's so different than any of the other games that were out there. It's so different than the other battle royales. And like just having that free mode where you and your friends can just go hang out. And, oh, look, there's someone playing music. Oh, look, Batman Begins is playing in my my game. Like All this crazy stuff is just such a cool way to take it. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up our blue-haired boy, the one who popularized Fortnite as a cultural phenomenon, our friend, close our friend personal of the podcast. Friend, close friend best of the podcast, friend. of course. Of course. Best friend, um, best guy around. Uh, that'd be Ninja, of course. And I want to talk I, about. I love his blenders. <laughs> yes. I love his blenders. Um, I love, you know, I actually use uh, his air fryer now. It's great that he has all ah, that great sponsorship with him. Yeah. Ah, he beautiful. really loves food, that Ninja. He, he really does. He's stuck around with it, fruit, especially. So I'm going to be talking a lot. Just a blue-haired, hungry boy. Just a blue-haired, hungry boy. I'm going to be, of course, talking about more of the eSports section of it. The huge buildup to Fortnite, the thing that still dominates a lot of our airwaves and especially did in the 2019s. So one of the first professional eSports competitions using Fortnite was the Fortnite Pro-Am event held on June 12th, 2018 during E3 2018 with 3,000 people in attendance. This tournament was announced after the success of the March 2018 stream by Ninja, where he played alongside celebrities like Drake. The event featured 50 celebrities paired with 50 top streaming players, competing for a prize pool of $3 U.S. million to be given to the winning team's charities. Ninja and his celebrity teammate Marshmello were the winners of this event. Additional Pro-Am events were held at E3 2019 in June of 2019 as well. In May 2018, Epic announced it was setting aside 100 million US dollars to fund various tournaments throughout the year to help grow Fortnite Battle Royale into an e-sport. The first Fortnite World Cup tournament was announced in February 2019, with qualifying rounds in April through June and the finals held at the Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York City from July 26th to 28th. A total prize pool of 30 million including a three million payout to the winner of the solo and duo competitions was given out.
1: And it's times like this that I sort of have to remind myself that we're talking about video games. Like Mm -hmm. there was never a moment when we were younger playing battle Royale games, playing gears thinking, Hey, there's a possibility that one day, like people could dedicate their lives to this and play with, you know, some of the biggest musicians,
0: artists on the planet, just oh, for fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we had YouTube at that time, and we had Twitch kind of starting up with a lot more people on there. And that was just so few and far between. It was major companies that had great YouTube channels for gaming. It was these conglomerates. So as an individual thinking, like, I can just go to a tournament and win $3 million versus, like, maybe, like, a $2 gift card to whatever store we're playing at. Like, those are the huge differences between those.
1: Right. You might watch on G4 a few people in a room play a deep cut fighting game against each Mm -hmm. other. And that was pretty much the extent of it. But yeah, I mean, something like this always blows my mind a little bit. During mid-2018, Epic started running a summer skirmish series over eight weeks, each week having a different format with $8 million to be offered to winners throughout the series. The series had some initial problems. The first week event was cut short due to technical issues with game servers, while the second event ended with accusations of cheating towards the winner, which Epic later verified were not true. Epic launched its second competition play series, The Fall Skirmish, on September 21st, 2018, with up to $10 million in prizes for winners. Starting with the game's 10th season in August 2019, Epic planned to run various champion series competitions for cash prizes. Each series was expected to have a different format, such as the first one slated, to use squads of three. Each had a number of qualifying weeks and a final tournament to determine winners across several geographic regions. And through Play Versus, Epic sponsors high school and college level Fortnite tournaments in the United States as of
0: 2020. Yeah, a lot of those aspects starting out into that esports realm of like really pushing those advertising dollars um, as prize money, basically, to get Fortnite established in esports and to keep people watching. I mean, again, it's just smart this definitely
1: could be a, a course on marketing. Um, and, and I think in video games, especially doing everything you can to keep that player base around. Not only are you creating this environment where there's a, cool things happening in the game, but like if that doesn't really necessarily interest you, if you want a shot at going into these tournaments, you know, these regional tournaments, you, guess what? You got to play Fortnite. To be good enough to play the tournaments. So you're going to be playing the
0: game. And that's all that they want at the end of the day. Especially like trying to get those young kids into your game. That's really what you're doing. is You're trying to get those young kids playing Fortnite, spending that parent's credit card for them V-Bucks so you can get to that big tournament.
1: Yeah, man. I'm going to have to hide my credit cards.
0: <laughs> like Your virtual currency cards eventually when your kid's old enough of like, Dad, <laughs> I just need to scan your wrist real quick. There's no reason. I just got to get your virtual card or of your, your <laughs> yeah, wrist chip. No.
1: I'm going to be asleep. And rather than putting my <laughs> hand in a warm cup of water, my kid's going to have his console that I assume <laughs> is in goggles at that point, And he's going to like wave my hand in front of it. And I'm going to buy $10 million in V-Bucks. Listen, it's going to
0: happen. And he's going to buy a shirt. <laughs> A Tyler Blevins fantasy like throwback shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Now, I do want to talk about Ninja again, um, because we talked about more of the tournaments, and ideas of those. Best friend, best friend, of course. But I want to talk about the viewership. We brought up YouTube, we brought up Twitch. What did that do for those numbers, and why did it put it on the map? Now, Fortnite Battle Royale, it also set some record viewerships on various streaming services. One of the first major streams of Fortnite was we talked about a little earlier, was in March 2018, in which Tyler Ninja Blevins hosted a stream that included Drake, Travis Scott, Kim.com, and Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster, all playing the game. The stream broke over 635,000 concurrent viewers, making it the highest watched stream on Twitch outside of esports tournaments at the time. YouTube streamer Ruben Dolbaz Gunderson held a Fortnite Battle Royale match with 99 other well-known YouTube streamers in late March, which drew over 1.1 million viewers, making it one of the most-watched gaming YouTube streams. The Fortnite Pro-Am event held at E3 2018 was estimated to have drawn over 1.3 million views across Twitch and other streaming services, making it one of the highest-viewed live streams events to date. Further live events set by Epic have continued to draw record numbers of streaming viewers. The 2019 Fortnite World Cup drew 1.5 million, while the end event that closed out season 10, or season X, in October 2019 held 1.6 million viewers. Even after the conclusion of the event, during the 36-hour period that the Fortnite game only showed a black screen with a spotlight on it, because basically it ended, had this like teaser thing of like, "Oh, what's gonna happen? It still had... 327,000 viewers on it on Twitch and 437,000 viewers on YouTube watching the idle animation, waiting to see if they'd be the first to see if anything happened. Epic reported that over 7 million total views happened across Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter during the end event. The Chapter 2 Season 2 ending event in June 2020 had drawn 12 million. In game players with an additional 8.4 million watching throughout player streams. And the single largest viewed in game concert was the Travis Scott in game concert we talked about, which drew 12.3 million in game players to watch. And the single largest viewed was the Devourer of the World event, which brought 15.3 million players and an additional 3.4 million people watching through streams. So if you don't think Twitch, or any of these other like in-game aspects they were trying worked they truly did.
1: Yeah, it's undeniable the effect that Twitch has had on this style of game as well. You know, mm-hmm. obviously the numbers are all there, they've done all the research on that, but when you think about the longevity aspect and keeping players returning, having a Twitch audience incentivizes players to keep going and playing that game and new content Keeps Mm -hmm. those people. It keeps more eyes on the screen. I mean, it is like this a lot of cogs in the machine. Absolutely. Now, of course, beyond the celebrities, there are other marketing tactics. And in May of 2018, Epic announced a partnership with sports apparel manufacturing company IMG to produce official Fortnite themed clothing, a Hasbro licensed Fortnite Battle Royale themed version of Monopoly was announced for release by late 2018, and the Fortnite Monopoly game reflects some elements of the video game, such as the money being replaced with players' lives and the ability to protect properties on the board with walls. Further with this deal, Hasbro produced Fortnite-based Nerf Blasters, which reached retail in 2019. Funko released a series of Fortnite-themed pop figurines in late 2018, as you do. Mm Mm-hmm. Fortnite Battle Royale has been packaged as special bundles with both the Xbox One and Nintendo Switch, and each version provides redeemable codes for V-Bucks and platform-unique customization options. A retail release of Fortnite Battle Royale called Fortnite Deep Freeze Bundle was distributed by Warner Bros. Interactive Entertainment for the PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch in late 2018. The package included a redeemable code for V-Bucks,
0: And unique in-game cosmetics. In October 2018, Epic launched its Support a Creator program for Fortnite. Individual players could designate one of several popular Fortnite streamers, selected by Epic via an application process, to support via the game client. That creator would then earn money based on how many V Bucks their supporters spent within the game, at a rate of five U.S. dollars for every ten thousand V Bucks spent, so roughly like a five percent. Value. Though initially planned as a limited time event, Epic found by December 2018 that millions of Fortnite players were using the promotion to support more than 10,000 streamers, and since have made it a permanent option for Fortnite and hoping that this would help some creators go full time, and plans to extend this program to other games offered via the Epic Games Store, including Tom Clancy's The Division 2. In November 2018, Epic partnered with the NFL to make character skins for each of the 32 teams in the league available to purchase for a limited time. This was the result of the influence of Fortnite on NFL players, who had frequently performed Fortnite dance emotes as touchdown celebrations.
1: That's right, baby. I mean, athletes, they have a lot of downtime when it comes to the season and the Mm offseason, sure. It's a lot of exercising, and then you need to rest, but you can't just sleep all day, so they play a lot of video games. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I see Fortnite dance on a weekly basis. Now, of course, with a game like this, a lot of kids are playing it, and that's going to bring about some parental concerns. And with the release of the mobile version, teachers, parents, and students have found that the game had become popular to younger players due to the free-to-play nature, its cartoonish art style, and its social nature. This carries over into educational institutions where the game has been seen as a disruptive element within the classroom and affecting students' ability to complete homework assignments. Epic has since added warnings on the game's loading screens to discourage students from playing it during classes. The UK's Secretary of State for Digital Culture, media, and sport at the time, Matt Hancock, expressed concern in how much time children were playing Fortnite Battle Royale and similar video games without a balance of physical exercise and social interactions. Other agencies, including the United States Center on Media and Child Health and the United Kingdom's National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children, have cautioned parents that children may be influenced by the violent behavior due to Fortnite Battle Royale. Prince Harry, speaking about various influences of social media on children in April 2019, proposed a possible ban on Fortnite Battle Royale, saying the game shouldn't be allowed. And, quote, it's created to addict. An addiction to keep you in front of a computer for as long as possible. It's so irresponsible. A Montreal law firm filed to seek a class action lawsuit against Epic Games asserting that Epic has known the game is addictive but fail to give this warning to players. A separate class action suit filed in California in February 2021 asserts that Epic knowingly misleads and manipulates minors into handing over ever-increasing amounts of real money for
0: virtual things through its V-Bucks system. At the same time, parents have expressed appreciation for Fortnite to have their children engage socially outside of their core groups of friends in a game that is otherwise not excessively violent or see offering Fortnite as a reward for encouraging children to do well in school, offering their children the purchase of V-Bucks in exchange for good grades. Some parents see potential in their children becoming skilled in Fortnite as to become professional players and compete for part of the large prize pools, creating a market for tutors to help children improve their skills in the game. At the same time, as Fortnite Battle Royale became a social hangout for younger players, issues of peer pressure and bullying have been raised. Cosmetic skins are seen as a sign of skill and status, so younger players spend money to get the rare skins to appear equal with their friends, or may be taunted by other players for not having such skins and using the game's default skins. While Fortnite has been successful in its monetization scheme, this approach using battle passes and rotating skin availability induces players to continue to spend money in a keeping up with the Joneses type of effect. Other issues related to children's interest in Fortnite have been raised. Several of the security issues raised around the game are heightened with younger players who may not easily recognize such illicit schemes and put themselves at risk for privacy invasion. There is some concern that online child sexual predators would be able to easily make contact with underage players, with at least one documented case from Florida.
1: And a lot of this... I mean, we could probably do an entire podcast on on this topic. I think that there are a lot of topics when it comes to gaming and its effect on you know, what the quote the real world and society and all that stuff. There's a lot of different elements there. Mm-hmm. But sort of what I'm, you know, hearing here is a lot of it just comes down to parental guidance on this. Yeah. You know, if, if you're letting your kids play this all day long and not do their homework and stuff, you know, maybe step in and say, Hey, be be more like these other kids. You could get this V Bucks reward in exchange for good grades. I mean, it's not really that different to me than when uh, you could bring your report card into Krispy Kreme and like get free donuts or whatever. It's just a different reward, a different medium. Exactly i I think it's important to talk about, but at the same time, there is a personal responsibility that comes in with limiting gameplay and time spent on video games and
0: It's important to be aware of for sure it is and and it's using your platform as a parent to be able to talk to your kids and understand those things and I do get the addictive nature and the like fomo of like, oh uh, well, Billy down the street has the like forty dollar zip zip zoomer skin and i don't have that i just have Man. default regular white guy with yellow hair so I, I get that stuff that does suck for sure
1: like all you guys that were members on runescape playing on your oh, cool yeah. member worlds that's right meanwhile here's me and my just my normal steel armor like i'll catch up to you guys eventually that sweet <laughs> rune trim that's definitely a real thing i could relate it to that like, very very much it absolutely um, it's is. unfortunate, but but hey, you know, you can you can earn rewards, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Now, interestingly enough, as popular as the dance emotes are, that has brought on some lawsuits as well because they've maybe borrowed some things from pop culture. And the creators of those dances uh have some Concerns about that, of course, and they actually took legal action about those moves being sold by Epic, even though the United States Copyright Office had issued statements that individual dance moves are uncopyrightable. These include rapper 2Millie regarding his Millie Rock, and actor Donald Faison related to a dance move he used on the TV show Scrubs. 2Millie has started taking legal action against Epic with copyright infringement over the Millie Rock-based dance emote, as well as asserting claims against personality rights under California law. Actor Alfonso Ribeiro filed a similar suit against Epic for their fresh emote dance, which Ribeiro says was directly based on his character Carlton Banks' dance from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Backpack kid Russell Horning, whose dance move The Floss was popularized through live performance with Katy Perry, has also initiated legal action against Epic for copyright infringement of his dance. Another lawsuit by the parent of the child that created a popular Orange Shirt Kid dance has also filed a lawsuit on similar grounds. But in this case, while the child had submitted the dance for an Epic-run contest for a new Fortnite dance emote, he did not win. And then fans petitioned Epic to include the dance anyway. The lawsuit challenges that the child was not recognized or compensated for the dance move. Blackboy JB filed another suit against Epic over his shoot dance move, represented by the in-game hype emote, by late January 2019. Jared Nickens and Jalen Brantley filed the lawsuit against Epic in February 2019, seeking $20 million in damages
0: for Epic's use of their running man dance. I want to jump in real quick and talk about this because this all started with one lawsuit that jumped up and then obviously everyone jumps in that boat kind of getting that class action going against them being like hey you're using our things on paper for me i it does suck they're using these to sell they've been popularized and kind of used by like one person in specific because you know what it is you see the dance you see the carlton dance you're like that's the carlton dance like you can call it whatever you want but that's the carlton dance yeah and the one that like for me really stands out is the orange shirt kid I, I you know, listen, I'm not Fortnite enough to know what dance that is, but if you enter a contest and like the winner earns money and like you did not win, but then they're like, nah, we'll still use it anyway. That's where I think a lot of that legal ramification can come in because you were like in a contractual obligation to say, if you submit it, if you win, we'll use it. But then if they just use it anyway, I think that kind of like violates even just on like a moral level of that.
1: Yeah, and I think that there's been things done like that. I I remember competitions just from us growing up, like 90s, 2000s, where there was fine print. It was like, you know, send this in. We might use it. We might not. Like, once you do Mm -hmm. it, you kind of hand the rights over to us. I don't 100% know how that stuff's worded, but there is that expectation there, that it's like you're going to be in the game, then you're going to get money for it, not we'll use as many of these as we want. And then whatever one is the best one we're going to give money to like that. That's not really being honest about what you're trying to do. Exactly. And Yeah. Dance a form of art, just like I think gaming is a form of art. So I I can't really necessarily defend one more than the other. um, When they're directly using those things as inspiration, not coming up with their own dance moves and things you know i i can understand where a lot of these artists would be miffed over basically use of their creativity and likeness for this game exactly in at least one of these cases that from two millie epic is seeking the suit to be dismissed claiming that a simple dance move cannot be copyrighted according to guidance issued by the u.s copyright office which i do find to be interesting as well that 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 cannot be copyrighted I think that's a whole nother conversation in itself.
0: I I get it to a point because like, let's say an artist does a move similar to it or transitions to a move. Like if you, if you copyright the cabbage patch, if you copyright the silly shopping cart, walking down the aisle, grabbing stuff, like you just have all these things of people copywriting every dance move possible. So if you ever did one ever on live TV, on Twitch, uh, on extreme, on a game, they could then seek these legal compensations. So I understand the frenzy behind it. But if, like we talked about, if it's so unique and when I think of the move, I think of that person or whatever. It's such a tough gray area.
1: It is. I think that there's a lot of benefit for modern dance moves that are getting made and put into the game right now. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. it can give exposure to that, that artist. It's those ones that are kind of being borrowed from time. It's like, Have they entered the sphere of pop culture enough? Like, is the Carlton dance in pop culture enough to where, like, Alfonso Ribeiro doesn't necessarily own that anymore? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a a bunch of conversations to be had there.
0: Exactly. In March 2019, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled in Fourth Estate Public Benefit Corp. versus WallStreet.com an unrelated case, that a copyright infringement lawsuit cannot commence until the Copyright Office registered the copyright, which makes sense. As the Copyright Office has refused to register some of these dance emotes as copyrights, four of the six pending suits, 2Milli, Ribeiro, Backpack Kid, and Orange Shirt Kid, were withdrawn within a few days. The firm that represented the four cases, Pierce, Bainbridge, Beck Price, and Hecht, stated this was merely a procedural withdrawal until they completed the registrations with the Copyright Office. A seventh suit was filed by Leo Pellegrino, a saxophone player known for his dances during his performances. Unlike previous cases, Pellegrino's case accuses Epic Games of misappropriation of his trademarked likeness over an in-game emote that has a player's character dance while playing a saxophone, rather than any specific dance move. A federal district judge ruled in March 2020 that Fortnite sufficiently transforms Pellegrino's move from his overall likeness to qualify for First Amendment protections, and summarily ruled against all but one of Pellegrino's other claims. The claim of false endorsement was allowed to remain, but still will be reviewed by the courts. After
1: receiving a complaint from comedian Matt Guiler over a combination of a dance emote and cosmetic skin that he claimed infringed on his character of the Dancing Pumpkin Man, Epic preemptively filed a request to the courts in December 2019 to rule that their emote and cosmetics do not infringe on Geiler's trademark or copyright. Since then, Epic had worked with a dance creator to work the dance emote into the game, Such as with musician Rick Astley to add a dance based on his song, Never Gonna Give You Up, commonly associated with Rick Rowling, as we know. Mm -hmm. Similar suits have been filed against the same dance moves used in 2K Games NBA 2K, while the offending dance moves were removed in January 2019 from the game Forza Horizon 4, though it is unknown if this was due to legal action. In the lawsuit involving Ribeiro's dance, the Copyright Office had refused to grant Ribeiro a copyright for the dance, not only because they considered it a simple dance routine, but also because Ribeiro had created the dance in context of another copyrighted work, so he would likely be unable to claim
0: ownership. Which is true. You've created that making the fresh prints. They're the ones who ran the content, sent the show out, so it's basically owned under their title. Now, we have a couple more things. This one coming up is another thing that changed the landscape. And actually, we saw some dirty laundry from Microsoft, from Sony, some from Nintendo. And that is the lawsuits with App Store, the iOS App Store, excuse me, and Google Play storefronts. Now, on August 13th, 2020, Epic announced it was permanently discounting the price of V-Bucks across all platforms by 20% except for those purchased directly through the iOS App Store and Google Play storefronts. For the mobile platforms, Epic created its own purchasing option that allowed players to purchase directly from Epic, bypassing Apple and Google. Epic said that they could not offer this discount to those purchasing through Apple or Google storefronts due to the 30% fee both took from each sale, which was seen by journalists as yet another means to challenge the 30% fee. Later that day, both Apple and Google removed Fortnite from their stores, both claiming that the payment system violates the store terms. The removals prevent players from downloading the game, but not playing it if they already owned it. The game still remained available on the Samsung Galaxy Store for Samsung devices as well as directly from Epic Games via their sideloaded app for all Android devices. Epic immediately filed a lawsuit against Apple over unfair and anti-competitive actions, along with releasing a short 1980 Fortnite parody, Apple's 1984 advertisement, to explain the reasons for filing the lawsuit. Epic filed a similar lawsuit against Google the same day. While the game remained playable
1: for users that previously downloaded it, its removal from the iOS App Store left Epic the inability to update the game which it used to caution players on social media that they will miss out on the upcoming new season starting August 27th. Epic also cautioned macOS similarly that they would be unable to update their version as well. Epic was denied a preliminary injunction on August 24th, 2020 that would have forced Apple to keep the game on the App Store, thus leaving the game unable to update on iOS. Epic had also believed that Apple was terminating the ability for users with Epic accounts linked through Apple to log in using their Apple ID by September 11, 2020, but Apple confirmed they would not be disabling this feature. Following the trial in May 2021, the federal judge issued a first ruling that included a permanent injunction against Apple that prevented developers like Epic from including links to alternative payment systems for apps on the App Store. BBC reported in November 2020 that Epic had worked a deal with NVIDIA to allow iOS players to play Fortnite through the GeForce Now cloud gaming service running within a browser, the method which would bypass the requirement for Epic to require Apple to manage the in-game purchases. The browser-based GeForce Now client for iOS was released by November 19, 2020, with Fortnite to be added at a later time. On May 5, 2022, Microsoft released their cloud-based gaming service, the second workaround to the mobile platform issue. Anyone with a free Microsoft account can log in and access Fortnite via their
0: mobile devices. Yeah, so the other major aspects that came out of this was seeing a lot of the practices that sony and microsoft were doing behind the scenes because it just happened to be added into a lot of litigation that apple would bring up based on purchases and things around there and this is around the time that we saw that sony was charging like 30 percent, the same thing that apple was kind of doing for cross play games so epic was just on nintendo they were on pc they were on uh microsoft But when it came to Sony, they were having to pay these huge fees and these huge upstarts just to play a part of it. And this caused a huge controversy for Sony to eventually drop that idea of being so against crossplay that they wanted to upcharge a bunch of money, think you know, fearing market share loss. And yeah, this this whole lawsuit was drawn out for a long while. Both Epic and Apple had to pay a bunch of money. And it brought Fortnite back to that iOS, back onto it and stated, like, yeah. It is kind of like garbage that you can only have this one payment system. And so it did shift a huge amount of landscapes to have this. It cost Epic a bunch of money. It cost Apple a bunch of money. But it gave us all, I guess, better consumer practices. And of course,
1: most of those conversations didn't necessarily center around Fortnite specifically. Because Mm -hmm. then the thought is, okay, well, if they're doing this to Fortnite, who is obviously a massive moneymaker for them, what are they doing to the smaller app developers and all these other people that are pretty much forced to use these stores in order Mm -hmm. to get their product out there. 30% is just such an unreasonably high amount. I mean, earlier in the episode, we're talking about 5% for using the ultimate or the, for the unreal engine. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when you really think about the disparity in that, I mean, taking a third of the sale just to, to basically be a hosting site, is crazy.
0: It's it is pretty crazy and and we see that still in Steam. And that's why we have all these other loaders that come in. We have, you know, Rockstar has their own you can get. You have Epic has their own. You have Ubisoft has their own and it's because Steam does that 30%. And with Epic, I believe Epic is 12%. It's 11 or 12% is what they take just to host your game and sell it and have updates on their store. Mm. So As much as all of us on PC hate having these multiple launchers, as far as app developers, I mean, you're definitely going to want to stray towards Epic. That's why you had Borderlands on there. That's why Fortnite jumped to there. That's why you have uh, that other little party game that's like Among Us came out the same time. I forget what it's called right now. But you had all these other games jump ship to there. And it's not because they wanted to be exclusive or have these exclusivities. It's because they went exclusive because they made... 20% 20% more, basically.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just, that is such a large, large jump. And when mm-hmm. we're talking about what is becoming an increasingly profit-driven industry, I can understand where it's very tempting to want a piece of that pie just to be involved a little bit. But when you think about all the time and effort that goes into developing these games and the amount of resources that gaming companies as a whole are going to have now, it's going to be difficult to really get away with stuff like that long-term. I think, I think it ultimately it just ends up hurting those stores. And the benefit of a large company like Epic being able to have that battle is that smaller companies end up benefiting from it because there
0: is a precedence there. Absolutely. Now, coming to our wrap-up, we know that Fortnite Battle Royale received generally positive reviews on all platforms. Dino Tack of Game Informer gave the game a 9.5 out of 10 and praised the stylish and colorful visuals, incredibly easy playability, high replayability, and called it a frenzy of fresh fantastical fun. Michael Higum of GameSpot gave the game an 8 out of 10 and praised the intuitive building mechanics, unexpected challenges, fresh updates, and though criticized its repetitive resource gathering and map traversal and their main towns, which is funny to have at that time, considering so many Battle Royales, is like, gotta find your guns, it's what you do. Austin Golson of IGN gave the game a 9.6 out of 10 and stated, Thanks to the freedom of its outstanding building mechanic, Fortnite Battle Royale isn't just a great BR game, it's one of the best multiplayer games in recent history. Fortnite Battle Royale has become a phenomenon and has been compared by analysts to World of Warcraft and Minecraft for successfully drawing in people who do not usually play video games. Fortnite Battle Royale obtained over 10 million players two weeks after its release, and by March 2018, it had estimated more than 45 million players. Three months later, Epic announced they had achieved over 125 million players in less than a year, with at least 40 million players playing the game once per month. Epic CEO Tim Sweeney reported that the game had reached 250 million players, by the time of the 2019 GDC, with an estimated 35% of those players being female, the highest known percentage for any shooter game. And by May 2020, Epic stated the game had over 350 million registered players. By the end of the same year, Fortnite as a whole had generated over $9 billion worldwide. Individual platform
1: releases saw initial surges in player counts. Within a day of becoming available, the Nintendo Switch version had been downloaded over 2 million times, according to Nintendo. Epic said that Fortnite had been downloaded over 15 million times for Android within three weeks of its launch. On the release of Season 5 in July 2018, Akame Technologies reported that Fortnite traffic neared 37 terabytes per second the largest recorded amount of traffic for any video game that they had observed. With its quarterly financial report ending September 30th, 2018, Nintendo said that Fortnite Battle Royale had been downloaded on about half of all Switch systems they
0: had sold, representing about 11.5 million downloads. And I know it's a free-to-play game, but that is such a ridiculous number, that over half of all these consoles that are basically connected to the internet have Fortnite on them. I had it on them. I played Fortnite on the Switch twice, and then I stopped because I won, and then I figured I could never do better than this, so <laughs> you, I finished it. <laughs> you got to retire on top, man. Gotta I had go a winner-winner winner chicken dinner. Yeah, had to go out on top. That's what you got to do. So yeah, it is crazy to see these numbers and just to see how influential this is, and even if we all hate Fortnite, even if we're all saying like, ah, that game, you know, ah, Fortnite is so cringy, it is one of the greatest games that has changed the landscape of so much.
1: Yeah, it's... I don't know if that comes from like the dude bro thing that they were talking about, where it's like, you know, you kind of want a little grit in the game or or what it is exactly. Or if it's just associated with a younger audience and the dances and stuff are a little Mm -hmm. goofy. There's a lot of things now that I'm listing them off.
0: Actually, there's there's... (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of it, too, comes from anything that's super popular in pop culture. It's always going to yeah. take that hate of being like, oh, Fortnite, oh, Among Us, oh, Minecraft, all these things, which are targeted towards those younger audiences and do have that like slightly older audience start to like rip on that younger audience for playing this stuff. But oh, yeah. overall, I mean, this game in and of itself stands to the top of one of the best games.
1: Yeah. And, you know, in our defense, like when we're getting beat by seven, eight year olds at these games, like we got to have something like, oh, this game is just bad. <laughs> It's definitely not me. Definitely being not old. me. Whoa. It's definitely not my fault. This 18 foot tower that I built, I'm proud of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm back with no build mode, baby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Journalists attributed Fortnite's Battle Royale success over PUBG as a combination of several factors. Besides being free to play and available on consoles, the game was released at a time when Battlegrounds was struggling with game cheaters and a toxic community, and that it features a less violent, cartoonish quality to it that, like Minecraft, was able to draw in a younger and mixed-gendered audience to play. Further, Epic has maintained frequent updates for the game, adding new weapons and in-game tools alongside limited-time events, and longer-term narrative elements that help to further draw in players. The high interest in the game within March 2018, which has been able to draw larger audiences compared to existing multiplayer games like Grand Theft Auto Online and Destiny 2, has had a financial impact on competing publishers Take-Two Interactive and Activision Blizzard, their stocks having fallen during that period. According to analysts from Morgan Stanley and key bank Capital Markets Incorporated, Activision CEO Bobby Kotick, on their quarterly results released May 2018, stated that, quote, Fortnite is definitely a lot of competition right now. It's been a really important catalyst in attracting new gamers to gaming. And the company is looking to develop its own Battle Royale title. Electronics Arts CEO Blake Jorgensen also considered both Fortnite Battle Royale and Battlegrounds as having a significant market impact. Jorgensen said, Fortnite is bringing younger people into the marketplace and younger people into first-person shooters, and I think that's good for the long-run health of that category for all of us in the industry. Non-video game entertainment companies have also seen the impact of Fortnite. Netflix, in reporting its quarter four 2018 results, stated that their competition is more with Fortnite, including streaming content related to the game, rather than rival television
0: network stations like HBO. And that's just so crazy to see. Cause when we tie in Twitch, YouTube, and also just taking the time to play Fortnite, it is taking that time away from watching stuff on Netflix. And you see those dips and just like how, and this really shows how many people were playing and are playing Fortnite. Like how many people were drawn away that Netflix is like, listen, HBO, Amazon prime, Hulu, not our competitors. Our competitors is a kid's video game that is just stealing people to do other things. I think that's wild.
1: It is. It is really wild. And I think it showcases the power of Twitch even more, which we really just can't talk about enough. Mm -hmm. Like, there are definitely kids that come home from school and they just hop immediately on Twitch. Or like you and I might have, I mean, when they released the netflix apps and we could do the direct stream even when that was fresh i mean we might have hopped into that but we didn't have things like twitch to hop into either
0: yeah i mean growing growing up i think that would have been a staple you and i probably would have watched just so many different tournaments especially like if you go back to when we played games like this we had twitch then halo tournaments and all these other games we played or just like oh, yeah. playthroughs of like really tough games like i think that would have been such a staple and it is like, it would have been a group activity where you can like pop it on the TV. If, if, again, go back to that time, pop it on the TV and be like, oh my gosh, how are they doing this? Or like rooting for a team. It's, it is so different. And it's hard to anyone our age and older, if they don't understand what Twitch is or why people are watching it, to talk about the influence. Especially as a kid of like seeing these things that you do at such a greater level. Yeah. Can't argue, can't add. You can't add. I understand that's tough. Subtraction's your game. <laughs> yeah, I'm more about tearing <laughs>
1: things down than building
0: them up. Now, part of the game's success is also considered to be related to its impact on social media, as we we're just talking about. By March 2018, Fortnite Battle Royale became the most viewed game on Twitch, exceeding the average concurrent viewership numbers of League of Legends and Battlegrounds. Blevins Ninja has gained significant attention as one of the first major Fortnite Battle Royale streamers. He gained a large number of subscribers by March 2018, in part due to his skill and through promotions on Twitch that offered free Fortnite Battle Royale cosmetic items. And by March 2018, he was estimated to be making $500,000 a month from his streaming revenues.
1: I'm so glad that he's such a good friend of the podcast. A, I mean,
0: yeah, he shares with us. He's been developing food items for a while. It's great to have.
1: That's why we call him <laughs> Blevins. We just know him. Exactly. Not well. He's not ninja I, I, to us.
0: Not ninja. He's Blevins. He's B-Man. <laughs> the end Lev, of what up? <laughs> by the end of 2018, B-Man had reported he had made nearly 10 million US dollars from his Fortnite streaming activities in 2018, with over 20 million subscribers to his YouTube and Twitch channels. For his success from Fortnite, time included Blevins within its time 100 most influential people of 2019. To acknowledge individuals like Blevins that had helped grow the popularity of Fortnite, Epic has released a number of in-game cosmetics under the Icon series, based on the real-life people. In addition to Blevins, cosmetics were released for musicians Marshmello and Major Lazer, and the streamer Loserfruit, with a planned release of cosmetics related to David Grefg-Martinez. A number of celebrities and athletes have said they play Fortnite Battle Royale, such as Chance the Rapper, Joe Jonas, Finn Wolfhard, and Norm MacDonald. For athletes, their appreciation for the game has taken on the form of recreating the various emotes in-game as part of their on-field celebration dances. Such Fortnite celebrations were frequent throughout the 2018 FIFA World Cup event in June and July of 2018, including by Antoine Greitzman after scoring a penalty kick during the FIFA World Cup Final. Other notable people have expressed their fondness for the game. The Russo brothers, directors of Avengers Infinity War, stated they often played Fortnite Battle Royale during breaks in the film's development, leading to them to propose the idea of Thanos as that limited-time release in the game. The Russo brothers also co-directed the Introduction Cinematic for Chapter 2 Season 6 that was released in March 2021. And the awareness of the game from well-known celebrities has been considered a reason for further popularity and player growth of the game. And fully agree, it's free publicity. People talking about your game, like these major celebrities like, I like the game a lot. We played it during one of the largest films ever created. And we also just, you know, co-directed a cinematic for it. It's no big deal. It's huge. Yeah, and it's always a little
1: weird to me when I think about, like, the Russo brothers, we're like born in the 70s, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I don't know why it's always a little like shocking to me when it's like, oh, those people like they're gamers on the side. Uh, but now we're, you know, we're kind of at that point where everybody's like grown up with video games for the most part. You know, there's there's maybe a generation or two that hasn't. And you can see this extended effect where it's not just kids playing these games and, and you know, talking about it out in the world. It's adults. Too. I mean, think about Norm McDonald playing Fortnite Battle Royale. Rest in peace, Norm. But, I mean, that's really interesting. I saw a video the other day where Stone Cold Steve Austin was like, they were talking about what are the best Legend of Zelda games, and he's like, oh, Breath of the Wild, brother. Like, you know, think about Stone Cold, like, sitting there playing Breath of the Wild. It's a very funny mental (laughs) image to me. Yeah. But that's the reach of games. It's,
0: it's mainstream now. Yeah. It's, it's popped out of that kind of nerd culture, that kind of underground culture, and has become something for everyone. It's not just targeting kind of like males in a certain age area. It, it, it targets towards everyone. And, and streaming has influenced that. Celebrities influence that. And so having Fortnite be one of those places where kind of anyone can go is absolutely huge. And so, Derek, as we start to wrap up our conclusion, a very long conclusion, I told you it was going to be a beefcake, like, you know, just a dude bro beefcake of an episode. We need a ninja blender to blend this bad boy <laughs> up, make it a little smoother, a, a blevier, a, a, a blevy blend, some might say. oh, A little blevy blend. But we need to as get we to blend the this up, office. <laughs> as we get our copyright for our blevy blend dance, of stirring it up, mixing. Why? Why do you tell the audience, but why should we? But also, please tell them, why did you choose this? Why did we choose this? And what would you give this game? You
1: can tell this is just a very long episode. It's We've a very long ta- episode. We've been talking for a long time, even yeah. before this. So apologies. But man, Fortnite. Um, this game, I'll be totally honest, it just doesn't draw me in all sure. that much. All these things are great. Um, They really do. I don't necessarily have the time to to like watch Twitch streams or hop on and like watch a concert happen in this game. But you know, if this were 20 years ago, I absolutely would be all about this. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is like, it, it fascinates me. That's why I love talking about it with you because it's, it's beyond gaming and it's where the mediums really start to interact with pop culture and and influence in the world and, and things like that, talking about that, thinking about that sort of impact really fascinates me, especially as someone who grew up basically being told video games were for kids all the time. um, And that you grow out of it eventually. And, And it's just not the case. And I love feeling like justified in that all these years later, I think Fortnite does everything that it was, trying to do and more you know to start as a, a testing ground basically for an engine and become what it has to have influenced pop culture to be you know there during sporting events where you can recognize a Fortnite dance to be dominating streaming platforms so much to where a behemoth like Netflix is like, oh man, that is competition. This is a problem. I mean, it's like a 10 out of 10. It's, it's perfect at everything that it's trying to be and do. And like, regardless of if you like it or not, it's just such a powerhouse of a game, such a powerhouse in the gaming industry that, I mean, it's, it's influence is so undeniable I don't know how I could give it anything less than, than a perfect score.
0: I'm right there with you because, you know, for me, same thing. I played Fortnite right when it came out. I don't have the zoomer or click ability. I did not like doing builds. I didn't like that my skill was not oriented in how I controlled my character, what guns I gathered, or how I, how I hid around areas. It was always based around what person could make a sniper nest the quickest while shooting the other persons and then winning there. And that, that just always kind of discouraged me. And so I stayed away from Fortnite for a while and they know how. Epic overall knows how to bring people back in. Knows how to be like, oh, Fortnite's starting to wane a little bit. Give them the concerts. Ooh, Fortnite's starting to wane a little bit. No build mode. Ooh, Fortnite's starting to wane a little bit. Have a whole mode where people just like walk around and do stuff. And you can be Thanos and you can be all these other characters that you want to be. And look, a new season's coming out. Oh, it's just the perfect character you love from your favorite show or book or magazine or game. Like, it's done so well with that that it does it touches all those no's it hits everything and it did draw me back in and i played for a little while with some friends in the no build mode and i love it too because apex legends is more of my serious br where i'll bunker down i'll try my hardest i'll definitely sweat at it fortnite and this is my rating is the game where i can get a semi truck i can crank the, lady, the lady-o? The lad radio, I think I was, was going to say. The radio. Just that's, that's uh, some UK stations. That's the UK stations, but just crank the radio and blare this music. And it's great because other players hear your radio. And it's, it's, it, it's reminiscent to In Red Versus Blue. when they have the Roadhog playing the music and they're playing it through the canyon (laughs) and it comes up and runs them down that is the same experience I get of being in like my car my semi-truck just just like clearing a cliffside and just seeing players just turn around as I just run them over yeah out of 10 oh man what a great
1: moment in Red vs. Blue I'm oh, sure yeah. most of our audiences so watch Red vs. Blue, right? But it's like, if you haven't, go. Well, I think it's
0: on Netflix. Go watch it. Go watch it. It's it's totally worth it. But yes, that is my moment of just like listening some ridiculous music, like some Post Malone blaring out of my speakers. <laughs> <laughs> so I just like am honking my horn running people over. is so worth it.
1: There is... Uh such a great feeling when it comes to like in-game soundtracks and, and doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds mm-hmm. me of us playing Saints Row, take yep. on me, you know, just driving around. There, there's so much that a soundtrack adds to a game. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Cool. Research <laughs> for this episode. is done by Alex Kendall and Derek Baker. The intro and outro music was written, recorded, given to us by our friend Evan Barr, and our lovely artwork was provided
0: by Aaron Shattuck. Beautiful people, and so are all of you. And if you want to support us a little bit more monetarily, you can check us out over on Patreon. That's patreon.com finish the fight. There you can see physical and digital rewards, some game nights, some other actionables that we have. You can always reach out. We can always get that stuff rolling for you. I want to thank a few select members today with Duststorm, Snide T-Bird, Nick Hyman, and Anthony Gooch. Thank you all so much for your support. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify,
1: or most likely your favorite podcast listening platform. If you haven't yet, please drop us a review. It helps us out a lot, and we love to hear from
0: you. And as always, you can catch us over at Twitch. You can see me at twitch.tv slash sourman70. That's twitch.tv slash sourman 70 As well as Derek over at twitch.tv slash thebakerman247. That is twitch.tv slash thebakerman Twitch.tv/thebakerman2. You can also
1: follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Of course, we are on Discord. We're hanging out in there all the time. Would love to see you. Links for those things can be found in the description of this episode and the previous episodes. And with
0: that, this has been our coverage of Fortnite, both the Battle Royale and your survival mode. What do you guys think is the next greatest gaming... Phenomenon, is there one out there? Is there something that you like better than Fortnite, or what is another phenomenon that you want us to dig into? Please let us know, and we'll get that hopefully on our next episode. But for now, as always, I am your host, Alex Kendall, and I am your host, Ladio. (laughs) And this has been Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast.